Hello everyone, welcome back to episode 18 of Quarter Down. Today we have on with us Naeem, a recent graduate from McGill University with a Bachelor in Engineering. He is a spoken word artist who has presented two TED Talks, has been selected as one of Canada's top 100 recovery projects, Future of Good, and has had a variety of internship opportunities, including the World Economic Forum, where he was the youngest Montreal sheeper. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, of course. Thank you so much, Laura and Vanessa, for having me. Uh, really stoked to be a part of Quarter Down. Yeah, as, as, as you mentioned, uh, gra- I recently graduated during these COVID times with an electrical engineering major and a software engineering minor. And uh, I think you'll get to know more about me as we go. Awesome. So I know you have presented two TED Talks titled Let Them Know Who You Are and Happiness, Not a Product, a Goal. Tell us a little bit about that experience. So kind of what was the inspiration behind your two TED Talks? So let's go back to grade 11 for myself. I I started a slam poetry competition that gives youth an outlet to speak up and basically express themselves freely and without judgment. And the idea for this competition, it stemmed from my childhood of not being able to speak up in different situations where I could have. And for me personally, it's always been a struggle to get myself out there. My goal has and always been, and still is, is to leave a mark in this world, to be able to leave a long-lasting impact so when I die, I live on forever. That's always been pushing at the back of my mind. And so the reason why I circled back there is because I've always wanted to get myself out there. I've always wanted to stand out in front of the crowd. And I enjoyed writing a lot. As you mentioned earlier, uh, spoken word. Poetry was one of the things that allowed me to express myself without being explicit. You know, using these different ways of expressing myself, these different form of expressing myself allows me to say so much more in so few words that kind of gives like the audience time to think and ponder about. And so for me, that first TED talk encompasses how we are not perfect and how in order for us to get out there, we must work hard. Not only that, uh, we should always look back and learn to embrace our perfect imperfections, how we're a warrior in a sense, how we're strong. And when we feel pushed to our furthest limits, only then we grow. And most of the times when others push us in negative ways, it's harder to grow. It's harder to move. So this was a speech to, to literally let them know who you are. When people say you can't do it, you're going to do it. When they say you won't make it, oh, you'll make it. And when someone weighs you down, you get back up because no matter what, you are in full control. So that was the, the idea for the first part of my TED Talk, which was let them know who you are. I guess we can go to the second TED Talk was happiness, not a product, but a goal. I would say for that part, it was more like me realizing it wasn't always about happiness. Yeah, as I grew up, I was always searching for this happiness. I always just wanted to be happy, you know, just relax, uh, just wake up, just go outside, just be happy. Uh, not worry about any stress. And as we all know, realistically speaking, uh, in our <laughs> we know that there's no way that you cannot be stressed. You can always, always be happy. But one thing I realized, that instead of tapping into these kind of feelings of happiness, what we should focus on is focusing on goals that help us truly find our passions, truly find our purpose in life. And so that was the second TED Talk. It was kind of like how you can find your purpose and the way you can find that purpose is not by focusing on happiness, not by chasing that happiness, not by chasing that high. It's by setting these small goals that will help you get there, that will help you get to where you want to be. And kind of going a bit more into your second one there. so. 
happiness, not a product, but a goal. You speak in that TED talk about your experience of being a victim of bullying. You believe it is your purpose and we should be making happiness as a byproduct of accomplishing one's goals. What is your first set of advice to someone looking to find their purpose? Great question. Now listen, I'm not a guru of finding your own purpose by any means. And I just realized that it wasn't always searching through happiness. For me, it was something that you have to find something that motivates you, something that pushes you. What makes you wake up every single morning? Like, I want to do this. I want to get this thing done. What is that? What is that drive? And for me, I would say that, like, let go of the thought of, you know, chasing that high. That high is actually chasing what you're looking for, which is your goal, which is the purpose of your life. For me, it's always been, I want to leave a mark in this world. But for me, it's how am I going to get there? It's to create these small goals, achievable goals, and then eventually leave an impact on a friend, leave an impact on a community, leave an impact on the world. So that's kind of like the way that I think. And I would say the first set of advice would be to set these small goals. It's to create achievable goals, goals that, you know, at the beginning might seem that it does not make sense. So you break that big goal down into smaller goals and then bit by bit, you hack into it, achieve them one by one. And you'll feel that you'll feel that that satisfaction, you'll feel happiness, you'll feel sadness along the way. You'll feel like you can't do it along the way, but you keep pushing, you keep going. And I think that's that's the biggest uh, part. Yeah, that's incredible advice. And it's really important to talk about those things, especially given the demographic that we cater to. These are, you know, people in their early 20s trying to find their way. And goal setting is a very important part of not only your life, but your career and all of those aspects within it. So it's really important to have this conversation. And that's that's really incredible advice. So thank you. With that, congratulations on being selected as one of Canada's top 100 recovery projects, Future of Good. What is the Future of Good mission? Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Thank you for that. So Future of Good itself, it is a digital publication company who focuses on stories, uh, innovations, and I guess trends that cover social impact in Canada. Uh, and as you know, for me, from what you've probably read is Social impact carries a huge value in my heart. How can we positively impact and contribute to our community? In terms of what can we do to further develop the community? How can we grow together with our neighbors? And what are the kind of ways we can leave a lasting impact in society? So for me, that's always been big. And I'm super grateful that we, our project has been selected uh, a part of Canada's top 100 recovery projects. So like you mentioned earlier in the podcast, I used to be one of the youngest global shapers in Montreal. And... We're, we're starting a project called Inclusive Cyber Talent. And basically the project mobilizes left behind, or in other words, underrepresented talent into meaningful cyber related careers and equips them with digital literacy skills uh, so that, you know, when it comes to COVID-19 cyber attacks or any attacks for that matter, we're able to bounce back with a more resilient and diverse talent pipeline. And so that project was selected uh, for Canada's top 100 recovery projects. I'm super grateful to be able to, to have that mark incredible. We're so happy and excited to see you accomplishing all of these awesome things as a young person. As I said earlier, you know, we're striving to create a value add for people who are trying to shape their careers and accomplishing those things and hearing from you and your experience is really valuable. We're going to we're going to switch gears again a little bit here and, and move into more about your skill set, so public speaking and, and that kind of thing. As you might know because we did, I think we said this actually before we started recording how uh, Laura and I are affiliated with 
Decade Canada, at the core of our business competition is presenting and public speaking. So with that being said, what are some tips you might have for improving this skill? That's a great question. So I, I actually, the, the reason why I laugh is because I get, I get asked this question a lot of times. What are some ways you can, you can, you can help or, you know, any advice, any tips? For, and, and, and the tips and advice that I'll give you is straight up from what I've learned, uh, straight up from my childhood, from my experiences. And for me, it's always speak in front of a mirror, literally. Uh, I've been told this a bunch of times from my, my, my teachers, my professors back when I was young, like in order to practice public speaking, speak in front of a mirror, speak at home, speak out loud. For me, that's been something that helped. So speaking in front of a mirror. One of the other ways that you can help improve your public speaking skills and your presence, write more. Write more. You know, you, you, you begin to write lots of things. You just keep writing and writing without even thinking. Just keep writing. Sometimes when I go in the metro, so... In other words, in the subways, when I'm thinking or when I'm not even thinking, when I just want to talk about something, I just take out my phone, open up notes and start writing more. Get yourself out there, you know, immerse yourself in the things you fear the most. Like I mentioned, you only grow when you put yourself uh, into something that you're not comfortable in. Once you start living in that uncomfortable bubble for a bit, then you'll see that that uncomfortable bubble is not uncomfortable anymore. You're fully comfortable in it and your public speaking skills have skyrocketed without you ever even thinking about improving your public speaking skills. It just happens. It just happens as you set your mind to it, as you live in that uncomfortable bubble for a bit. Yeah, and just kind of diving into you and your public speaking abilities a little bit more. Obviously, we've said this a couple times, you've done some TED Talks. And I'm curious, like what opportunities, and the TED Talks could be an example here, what opportunities have come your way that you can relay directly back to the time you've invested in your public speaking? That's an amazing question. Uh, there are lots of times where I went to San Francisco as a, uh, a part of another cohort of, of this fellowship. And basically we were in this kind of accelerated incubator to kind of pitch this fake startup. And the reason we did this is to kind of get outside of our comfort zone and kind of pitch something that is mind blowing. And so public speaking helped me so much in this sense because no matter what aspect, no matter what field I put myself in, for example, a pitch, it really helped me to kind of create my words more concise, you know, work through a proper dialogue, work through a proper pitch, and then how I could pitch it in like a short amount of seconds in time, and what are the crucial points. So those are all the other different aspects, but the, th the main part about it is your, your stage presence. You know, when you're, when you're out there, when you're out there speaking in front of people, when you're out there speaking in front of uh, an individual in, in, an, in an audience, how is your stage presence? Are you using gesticulations? Are you using different forms? Are you, are you clear? I think these are all important things that I've learned from my practice of speaking at home in front of a mirror. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's incredible too to, to see just how transferable this type of skill is. That's something that we really use to our advantage when we try to pitch DECAU to students is, you know, how much this skill can do for you, not only in competitions like DECA, but also in the real world. And hearing these examples from you is really incredible. Uh, and just, just for the sake of curiosity here, how does one go about getting involved with a TED Talk? Is that something that they invite you to? Yes, exactly. You got it. Okay. So uh, for me, it was because of the, the slam poetry competition I started. Uh, I right. was 
invited over there was a ted talk that was happening at one of the cjeps nearby and they're like hey mm. you know would you be interested in this to be a part of this ted talk and you know uh, just like any other youth during their time prime time they're super ecstatic and excited just like i was and i was like yes definitely get me in a tech talk yeah i would say these opportunities come by and whenever these opportunities come by just grab it wherever you are yeah absolutely and, and were you nervous before oh definitely definitely yeah um it's natural, right? I, I would say like, you know, I, if we can just go back quickly to that, what are some tips for improving this skill uh, you, you asked earlier? Nervous is being, it's fine being nervous. It's fine being a bit stressed and worried when you're on stage or when you're in front of people, even a Zoom call or meets, whatever, or even in an interview, it's fine being nervous. The, the point here is to kind of embrace that nervousness and not get consumed by that nervousness and i strongly feel that you know when we feel consumed by that nervousness we're like okay we can't do this we're shaking we're sweating we can't do this at all that's when nervousness starts consuming you but it's okay let that nervousness kick you know at the beginning let it kick it's fine i think that that that's stronger right uh for me like my first ted talk i was super nervous it is a ted talk and i was like you know i have to get myself out there and i think that was huge for me but i think that nervous aspect really helped me, you know, live in that uncomfortable bubble for a bit. Absolutely. And you might agree or disagree with this. And Laura, you might have some thoughts on this as well. I do find nervousness is a, is a big part of any type of presentation in front of other people. That's kind of a given. Uh, and although I will say the virtual environment has helped. And though DECA has provided me with a lot of public speaking experience, uh, the virtual environment, I do find I am a lot less nervous because I'm not looking at other people's faces. So you may agree or disagree there. But uh, the one thing I will say about being nervous is it almost makes me sharper. Um, I'm like more honed in on the situation and I'm able to, to focus on a level and perform on a level that I might not have been able to had I not been at my peak you know my whole body's engaged I'm nervous I'm shaking as you described and uh, I do find there's a correlation between nervousness and performance in that way the way that I look at nervousness is and I agree Vanessa in this virtual setting it's decreased significantly mainly because if I say something wrong or if I can't speak I feel like I can just shut off my camera and log out of Zoom. Whereas if you're on a stage, you're physically in a location that you're you're a bit more stuck in, so that. But in terms of actually feeling nervous, I think a lot of that comes because you care. You care about what you're saying. You care about it coming off the right way. You care potentially what people think. So I think that's all what's rooted in why you're nervous. And I think feeling nervous is a good thing. And even people who have been maybe public speaking for 50 plus years, should still feel nervous because it's a feeling of it's a feeling of pretty much meaning that you are passionate maybe about the topic and you want it to come off yeah. a certain way i hope that makes sense but that's kind of what i see with it yeah, i feel you i feel you 100 percent. that's it that's it so um, vanessa kind of picked apart your skill set i'm gonna pick apart now a bit more about your mindset so i'm quoting you here but time never runs out it is us who run out of time. You said this in happiness, a product, not a goal. What is your mentality and mindset to make the most out of the time you have? 
And I think this is ever more apparent now as a lot of us are in our 20s and feel like it is the end of the world, meaning we have to do classes from our room and kind of how do you make the most out of the time you have? Amazing question. I like how you kind of picked that out. And it was kind of one of my, my critical points in, in just the way that I live my life and my lifestyle. I've always been the type of individual who's, uh, you know, very busy, very active, very going, uh, just just always doing something. I, it just, I just can't sit down and relax. And if I do, I still think about doing something. Um, and so that that little excerpt that you mentioned time never runs out it is us who only run out of time it just brings me it just throws me back so much because i just think about how how i've always stayed busy how i've always you know focused on on my goals being being more like focused in in my schedule and my outline etc all that but i never really tapped into like you know my surrounding and people i love and people i care about uh and so one of the things that I wanted to say uh, for that part is um, like time is going to continue. The world is going to go on. Everything is going to keep moving. You know, the world's going to keep rotating. Uh, people are going to keep going. And it's only us to kind of ride that wave, right? It's only us to get on that train. Uh, and it's, it's, up to, it's up to us to get on it, right? Whether we get on the first seat or the back seat, it's completely up to us at any time. We have the opportunity. We have the control. And we're, we're really privileged to have the opportunity. We're really grateful to have the opportunity. But we have it. And so it's up to us to make use of that time. You know, we have, for me, like in, in, a, in a day's worth, usually when I wake up in the morning, I do, I started off with yoga, then followed by meditation, then I start my day. Uh, and then during the rest of the day, I have like other stuff scheduled for myself. And then at the end, like I mentioned, you know, caring about people who are really close to you, your friends, your family, don't forget about them, right? Yeah, yeah, you're chasing that high. Yeah, you're on that train. You know, you're going to become successful. You're going to make it because you believe it. But don't forget about where you came from. Don't ever forget that. And I think that's really important. We always think about succeeding. We always think about achieving the best. But it's always good to always reflect uh, where you came from. Very true. And I think I was going to say a lot of the times it's easy to lose sight in that. I think I see it. This is a very far-fetched example. But people kind of getting fame and getting fortune. And you hear of those stories of them just kind of not disowning their family but totally kind of keeping them out of the picture and I think staying true to those kinds of morals and values are kind of what is something you should take with you as time progresses definitely definitely I mean indirectly you we are products of our environment and so where we grew up from where we came from you know our surroundings our community our friends whatever we, we kind of have different aspects, different features that we've taken from it. And I think that it's always nice to always think about that as you're chasing that high, as you're always focusing on your time. Don't forget where you came from, you know, the age old expression. <laughs> uh, and more kind of background context as well. We know you have a background in engineering, but we found it really interesting how some of the key life-shaping experience of yours and some of the the things that you have have made for yourself and the experiences that you've had demonstrate a strong passion for the arts. What 
are your thoughts on how these two disciplines might complement one another? For me, in terms of engineering and arts, uh, right on. I really enjoy the arts aspect, and I love building things, and I love you know problem solving, and that's probably why I got into engineering in the first place. How do these two disciplines supplement one another? I would say, in my sense, in one word, creativity. I enjoy being creative, and I think that being creative in both aspects uh, really help one another. Arts kind of helps engineering, you know, in to flourishing that creative aspect. I think with whatever work that I do has always been design and user oriented, and that is also, you know, that's like engineering type. And then in terms of in terms of arts, it's always been the audience and people oriented. So you can see different mixes and matches there. And I would say I would say most of the part as I grew up living in a South Asian family, it's always been, you know, you you grow up in this one discipline and you perfect yourself in this one discipline. And that's all. That's it. You know, become a doctor, engineer, whatever it is that you'll perfect yourself in that situation. But why not? In different disciplines, you know, why not in arts and in engineering? Why does it have to be an or? And so I just put myself in different opportunities, different situations where I was uncomfortable and I truly liked it because it all comes back to me trying to get myself out there. Uh, and I think that was the biggest part of it. That was the biggest part, whether I'm in arts or I'm in engineering, it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, I'm creative. And I think that creative aspect taps into both arts and engineering disciplines. Mm-hmm. I, I think creativity is something that can't be taught, right? Being creative um, is, is a natural inclination. And the best ideas and the best innovations come from a place of creativity. So we think you have a very, very competitive combination of that more, you know, methodical mathematical side of the of the equation and on top of that the arts the more fine aspect the more you know qualitative side of the the equation so you know in that in that regard you have a a very competitive skill set that's that's really interesting and i'm curious thank you Uh, sorry please can i just tap in can i just say one thing uh yeah um i would say that uh the creative aspect like you just mentioned like I'm I'm no perfect human being. I'm just a natural individual. But I would say that, you know, taking time and focusing on hard focusing on things that truly matter to me the most. I would say that that like you said creativity cannot be thought. You know, it cannot be taught. It cannot you can, you you kind of learn it. You kind of have to get it. I'm a natural human being just like anyone else. There is no perfect person and I think the only way that you up yourself, you up your skills and your levels and your creative you know, in whatever discipline you apply yourself in is you putting yourself out there. Uh and I would say that just as any other human human being just like me, uh you can definitely tap into different uh areas, different extracurriculars and I would say that's the best that's the best way to go about it. Yeah, absolutely. This life is about learning, growing, developing, right? So whichever whichever discipline you're in, as long as you continue to improve yourself, you know, you're going to make a valuable contribution regardless. Yes. You will do it once you fully believe that you can do it. Great advice. And I'm curious, with this mindset that you have and with these abilities that you have, what does the future hold for you? How are you going to combine your engineering background with your interests and your experiences in arts? How are you going to wrap it all up and, and 
and you know make this mark on the world you know like uh, usually when i'm in interview questions uh or like when i when i apply for internships lots of times uh the manager or someone would ask me like how do you see yourself five years from now where do you see yourself 10 years from now and these are questions that i see myself like obviously growing growing within wherever i put myself in with these skills that you mentioned but at the end of the day we don't really know what the future holds for us we don't really know what we can do in the future we don't really know that we, we of course we have our goals but the most important part is to focus on the now right forget about the future forget about the past focus on the now focus on the moment what can i do like in one hour from now what can i do in like 30 seconds from now and i know it doesn't like tap into like you know how are you going to leave a lasting impact in the future but it does tap into how are you shaping yourself right now to do that, to get there. Uh, and I think my mind has always been focus on the now, focus on the present. Yeah, I want to leave a mark in society when I get older. Yeah, I want to do this. But don't worry about the intricacies and like, you know, all the stressful stuff that might come along with it. Just keep going right now and focus on what are different ways you can improve yourself right now. I think that's, that's my mindset. I feel like a lot of people, or at least it's been embedded in us, especially, you know, in the interview question, kind of what's your five-year plan? And while it can be nice to have some certainty, I think this year has kind of imposed how, or at least shown us how living in the now is important. And I think, for example, I've had opportunities that have come up and I perhaps have had too much on my plate. However, I still say yes to it because I know that a little bit further down the road it will be a good experience and when I work through it in the now as to kind of quote you um, it's kind of worthwhile in the long run if that makes sense yes yes and sometimes you know you might not be able to get what you're looking for sometimes you might not be able to accomplish your goals and sometimes you might you know fail a couple of times here and there but one of the things I like saying and things that I've learned like in sports as well is minor setbacks will definitely lead to major comebacks mm. so we like to ask each of our guests and sometimes it's a podcast related thing sometimes our guests end up talking about a book either or is fine but tell us what is one of your favorite podcast books ways to consume some sort of information where we're always looking to find new outlets of learning i would say uh I don't have a favorite podcast, unfortunately. I know people are going to call me out on this. Like, how do you not have a favorite podcast? But I've been listening to this podcast for a bit. Uh, it's called Startup Podcast by Alex Blumberg. And like the first season was really good. But the way that the podcast is set up, it's through experience. So they talk about experience, uh, like, you know, building a startup through experience. So it's not only like tips and tricks, but it's all, all like, you know, what are the different uh, experiences that uh, different founders have gone through to start their uh, ventures. So that's one of the podcasts I listen to. In terms of books, The Alchemist, it's a top book. Uh, I read it a couple of years back and I would say it's very, very philosophical, very like taps into your brain uh, and you start thinking so much about life and, you know, aspirations, ambitions. Uh, I would say The Alchemist is definitely one of my top books. Amazing. Thank you. I feel like that's such a insightful pick for for our 28 year old listeners so i think that's awesome well naeem thank you so much for joining us for our episode 18 of quarter down vanessa and i are really happy we had you on mainly because 
I don't think we've had on, first of all, anyone with an engineering background or, or really a very technical background like this as well. So I think being able to learn a little bit more about how some of the arts can overlap with engineering is also a very unique skill set. And I'm happy we also got to dive into a little bit about your mindset, because I feel like mindset is always and understanding people's mindset is always the root understanding of their actions and I think that definitely shows through some of your experiences which Vanessa did a great job on highlighting a bit much or a bit so where can everyone find you um do you have any platforms that you would like to to advertise I'll give you only one link everyone can find me on my personal website uh it's my first and last name dot com I technically I tend to update that site often uh it's kind of like uh my life in on a website, digital life. <laughs> Amazing. Do you want to spell it out for everyone listening? Definitely. So it's uh, naimalam.com, N-A-Y-E-M-A-L-A-M.com. Quick question. With your minor there from McGill, did you actually do all the back-end design for this website? Yeah, everything. Uh, so I actually designed the website from ground up. I built it and the code is also open source. So for any curious devs and, you know, softwares out there, feel free to check through the code. And, you know, I'm always looking open for feedback. Amazing. <laughs> I'll get right on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure our hey, business listeners will uh, get right on that. I think, some, I think we've had to do a few things with HTML, really technical, you know. Just messing around. <laughs> It's been a pleasure having you on today. As Laura said, unique experience, unique background, uh, so much value, so much value in having these conversations. So your time is so appreciated um, and it's just been great to get to know you a little bit. Likewise, thank you both Laura and Vanessa for having me. Of course.